Well, good evening. Uh, we are so glad you're here. Thank you for coming out tonight and coming out in some much-needed rain. Uh, this is Tipping Up in Marriage, and this is a class that's offered by our ministry called Fight for Your Family. And so we're in this together uh, tonight here to, to strengthen our marriage and to look into God's Word and see what God's Word has to say for us. Um, tonight, as, as we've had for the last two weeks, we've got John and Sue Damaris with us. And John and Sue have got a wonderful family, and they've been um, serving here and, and leading here for years. And just a well-trusted couple, and, and so they're here to share more with us. So, so thankful. Uh, they're here, and uh, you're here. Let me pray and invite the Lord in, and we'll jump right in. Uh, Father, we praise your name, and we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the rain today. Uh, Lord, thank you for the reminder, Lord, that, that you're in control of the weather. And uh, we just thank you. for We needed that here in Memphis, and we thank you for it. I thank you for each couple who's here. God, they represent uh, a marriage that you uh, designed. They represent family that was your idea. So tonight, as we look into your word, uh, I pray that you would fill John and Sue with your Holy Spirit as they teach us and as they walk us through Scripture, God, that would lead us closer to you and closer to each other. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Uh, now, you'll want to get to know this couple. Uh, you'll see them around the church. Uh, you'll see Wednesday night, Sunday mornings. You'll want to be able to stop them and say, hey, John and Sue, good to see you all. You might want to ask them a question about marriage, things like that. So just to kind of keep up to date, we're going to kind of keep going with getting to know them. All right, so I've got a few questions to see how well you listened last week uh, to see what you found out about them. I love doing this with them, and I hope they love it too. Okay, so when they got married, um, John told Sue that he was not either A, a bug guy, B, the pool guy, or C, the inside house clean guy. Do you remember what he said? C. What is it, John? It is C. Yep. Now they remember, he is not the inside house clean guy. And how's that gone? Has that been okay that he's not the inside house clean guy? He has changed. He, so he's gotten better since the first days of marriage. You hear that? You can get better since the first days of marriage, people. We can change. Men can learn new tricks, right? We can learn. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now let's see if you learned this one. Here's the next one. While Sue was away, okay, while Sue was away, John had to call to ask her how to turn on, was it the shower? Hey, baby, how do I turn the shower on? Was it be the dishwasher? Or C, did he have to ask her how to turn on the sports channel? Uh, which one was it? Dishwasher. dishwasher, dishwasher. Any problem with the sports channel? That was never a problem, right? That was never a problem, no. Oh, John. Yeah, just got a new one. It's got all the, it's got the computerized, all those bells and whistles. It sings to you. Forget about it. That's right. How about this one? Ready? See how well you listen? Okay. When they got married, Sue had to teach John how to handle a carton of eggs. You know, it's important, right? Uh, the line of the DMV. You know, how do you do, how do you navigate the DMV, that long line, you know? Or money, okay? Anybody remember which one it was? Money, money, that's right, yep. money. How's he doing? Is he doing, getting doing much, better. much better? Okay, nice. You're doing much better, John, much better. Okay, uh, a couple more uh, painless questions. The people Sue welcomes into her home all the time are A, her grandkids, B, door-to-door -door salesmen, or C, John's BW Club members. Yeah, what do you think? You might remember? The grandbabies, that's right, grandbabies. Do you remember what holiday, what holiday got wrecked of John's because of the grandkids? Labor Day, yeah, Labor Day. Yeah, John had big plans of doing nothing, and those all changed. Yeah, those all changed. Yeah, he had a good attitude about it, if I remember. He did, he had a good attitude about it. Keep that in mind, fellas. You have a good attitude when your wife changes your plans. 
Okay, um, so here's a couple more. In a moment of weakness, um, admittedly last week, John bought a Jeep with monster truck tires, big ones, and it had a certain number of speakers. You remember how many speakers it had? 22 speakers, yeah. Um, I was envious. I've been jealous all week. Uh, yeah, 22 speakers. Um, and in the song that he blasted in those 22 speakers was their favorite song. Um, anybody remember what it was? It I Got You, Babe, was it Ain't No Mountain High Enough, uh, was it Color My World? Color My World. Color My World. Can you imagine, can you imagine, can you picture John with the top down, 22 speakers blasting, Color My World. <laughs> so today I had to, I went to YouTube to listen to that song. I've never heard of it before. Yeah, and I probably wouldn't play it in a Jeep with 22 speakers. Yeah, the long piano intro. I had to go down to the little red bar and push it over. Like, hey, what's this intro in? Yeah. The intros were all long. They were all, okay, yeah. And was the hair, too. The hair, all the, yeah. The, you had the hair. So uh, before I turn it over, I do need to make a publication correction. I apologize. I, I misspoke last week, and I said that, that John's first car was a, a VW Beetle. And uh, publicly, publicly, John uh, denounced me and said it wasn't true. It was this thing. Um, and it's actually called The Thing. Yeah, and so... Yeah, that was it right there. Um, so now that we know more about John and Sue... Um, I'm going to bring you guys up. I need to get a lot of your way. They're talking about the power of prayer and marriage. So, so glad you guys are here. Someday I'm going to introduce Tim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get me back, right? That will be a lot of fun. Yeah. I'll make sure Susan is here. Okay. Oh, yeah, we got the mics. All right, here we go. Yeah, we do. We got all kinds of stuff. Honestly, we would rather just stand up and, and just teach. Yeah, yeah, I was hoping for a little group tonight. It was started off little. It's like raining. That. It's going to be a little oh, tiny group. I'm just going to have everybody cuddle. We're going to we sit in a little circle, them. and we're yeah. just going to have a little study, but uh, it didn't work out didn't that work. way. didn't work. All right, I want to do a little review over the last uh, few weeks here, and uh, last two weeks, and just go over a couple little things, and then we'll uh, we'll get into the lesson. Uh, week one, we spoke about our relationship with God as the key to not only having a marriage that survives, but thrives, right? We closed with what we believe has been a secret, uh, secret to the amazing life that uh, we really believe we've had. God has certainly blessed it. In James uh, 1, 22 through 25, this has been our, uh, our scripture. But be doers of the word, obey the message, and not merely listeners to it, betraying yourselves. So you can all listen to what we're saying, but when you walk out of here, I have no idea what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. What you really need to do is listen to what's being said and apply it. And that's with God's word, okay? But for if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it and being a doer of it, he is like a man who looks carefully at his own nature or face in a mirror. For he thoughtfully observes himself and then goes off and promptly forgets what he was like. But he who looks carefully into the faultless law, the law of liberty, and is faithful to it and perseveres into looking into it, being not a careless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he shall be blessed in his doing. 
in the key, let me uh, scroll down a little bit. You know, really, truly, that's the secret. We feel like we were just sharing with a, a couple that had missed the first week. If you had been here the first week, you kind of already are in on it. But um, we got married at 18 and 19. And seriously, there were 75 people probably in attendance at our wedding, and only one person um, felt like we were as confident that we were going to make it, you know, and um, uh, finish the course, you know, that type of thing, till death do us part. And, and that was John. And I, even I had my doubts, and he, I remember him saying, we're, we're going to be okay. But seriously, for the first five years, um, we did not attend church, and uh, we were uh, basically just winging it, uh, had no support from our parents. And, um, and finally, we went to Bethel Baptist Church, and we really felt like the Lord just sat us down and said, listen up, you knuckleheads, this is what you need to do, and we agreed to do it. And that's what people would ask us, what our secret is, and we said, you know, the Lord just told us what to do, and we said, okay, and he blessed us. It. And it's funny, because we do call ourselves knuckleheads. We are just a couple of knuckleheads. And, uh, we, we say it to ourselves all the time. It's funny. Yeah. That's and so what we bring up. We, we like to share that because we feel like if God can do what he has done in our lives, because we, we go by um, Ephesians 3.20 where it says, Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than all you can ask or even imagine according to the power that within, works within you. To us, he did far beyond anything we could have ever hoped for. And uh, when we look at our lives today, and we feel honestly, honest and true, if he can do it for us, there is hope for everybody out there. Yeah, amen. So today, we're going to discuss prayer. And I think it, being a, a new Christian, when Sue and I first got saved, that was probably my most difficult Probably the most difficult part of being a Christian is praying. If somebody asked me to pray in front of them, oh my, you know, I didn't know what to do. Right. You know, and uh, so I really felt my prayer life had to get beefed up. All right. So we had a pastor in New Hampshire, and I heard Pastor uh, Gaines say this recently: is that prayer is um, the hand of God. Prayer moves, moves God. The moves, moves the hand of God. And this is what our pastor said back in New Hampshire. Prayer is the nerve that moves the omnipotent, all-powerful hand of God. That was, uh, and he would say that probably every two weeks. Yeah. He'd throw that somehow into a sermon. So let me ask you, let's have a little fun right here, okay? What do you remember about the concept of prayer as a child? Now, I'm going to go first just so we all get comfortable, all right? So this was my concept of prayer as a kid growing up. Zero. I never heard my parents pray for me once. I never prayed when I went to bed. They never taught me that. So it was zero. Now, Sue's got a little bit different, yep. right? What was yours? Mine was, now I lay my down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And then it was, God bless mom and dad, God bless grandma and grandpa, you know, that, that kind of thing. And that was it every night. So, so how about you? What was your concept as a child? How many of you know that prayer? <laughs> there you go. There we go. I wasn't the only one. Yes, yeah. probably. <laughs> Sue, was, Sue was saying it to me the other day, and it was like, 
Never heard of it. I did it every night. I still remember it. I was only like four or five. I still remember it. So uh, let's share a little bit. What was your concept of prayer? Nothing. Nothing. Okay, so we got two, me and you. Wow. In in what language was that? In Arabic, right? Yeah. Isn't it amazing what we remember? You know, I mean, he watched MASH, my mom prayed. (laughs) Praise God for your mom, Mm -hmm. you know? Because you're hiding that word, you know what I mean? You're hiding that prayer in your heart. It's kind of neat stuff. Neat. Anybody else? Come on, there's got to be more. Pleading. Pleading. Okay. You guys related or somewhere? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Anybody else? But she tried to teach you? You know, know, that's a a good memory, though, because when you think about it, we as parents, our children can hear us pray, but at the same time, we have to teach them how to pray, right? Because there's going to be a time when they're going to be alone and they're going to be scared, fearful of something, and they need to know how to go before the Lord, all right? So I didn't have that in the lesson, but it's important to know that um, not only do we pray with our kids, but we teach them how to pray, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so with that in mind, um, has the concept changed for all of us when it comes to prayer? How has it changed? More important? Yeah. 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 Amen. Yeah. yeah. Abba yeah. Father, huh? Yeah. That's neat. So let's ask this before we get into some scripture. And let's ask this question. And I'm going to give you a, a few of them here. But should I speak to God formally or informally? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I had a, uh, a guy at work, he was my boss, come over to me years ago and say to me, I'm struggling with, uh, with something going on in my life, and uh, you know, I've, been, I've, I've been going to the big man upstairs. So right there, it's like, okay, we're going to try to straighten this out, <laughs> okay? Because there isn't a, a lot of reference going on right here, but let's just discuss this. So it just kind of gives you an open door a little bit because he started it, so I was going to end it. But uh, anyway, it's just interesting how we can go before the Lord that way, you know, um, with maybe an intimacy and a holiness, you know? You going to say something? No, it is. So do we have to kneel? Do we have to bow our head? Do we have to close our eyes? You know, before we go into that, one thing I wanted both of us, John and I, wanted to share tonight, we had talked about it earlier, was both, both John and I have taught a lot of uh, new Christians over the years, you know, discipled them and things like that. And we both agreed when we were talking about this that some of the most precious prayers we have ever been um, privileged to hear are from those that are brand new baby Christians that don't have all the churchy words, you know, and just are just praying from their heart. You know, and I can remember um, prayers from my children, just listening to my children's prayers. And they would turn me to tears, Some, you know, how passionate they were. You know, I mean, they put me to shame oftentimes. And so I just wanted to kind of mm. reiterate that, that it's, it's not so much that we have to have all of the right lingo and stuff, but as... Um, you had said, you, you just pray from your heart, you know, that type of thing. You uh, give him that reverence. You pray for him, a humble heart, a, a heart that's in need, you know. But, um, but don't feel like we, we have to have it all the right, in, you know, words to say. And we could just speak for, for, with, you know, because he already knows what we're going to say before we even say it. So. Amen. Okay, go ahead. That's okay. Hey, so do I have to kneel? Do I have to bow my head? Do I have to close my eyes? What do you think? Amen. Okay. Nothing like going outside in the yard and just praising God. (laughs) It's kind of a neat thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I mean, if you reverse it, you could say shutting your eyes in prayer helps you to focus, yeah. maybe. There's definitely right? different postures to prayer. It's not all the same, yeah. I think that it varies, right? Maybe something that doesn't fit for you, that it just out. You are on your face, right. yeah. To me, it's the humility. Mm-hmm. You can be 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I understand. Definitely uh, different postures of prayer. Yeah. You know, both of our kids um, were uh, going through a little medical issue, and uh, you know, I find my, I found myself upstairs in the guest room, prostrate Which is before his prayer the room. Which is my <laughs> prayer room. That's you his know, room. before the Lord, and uh, you know, there's definitely different times, right, in different places. Um, what should I refer to God as? And so let me just throw this out at you. There's a lot of names for God, right? A lot of names. Abba Father is one we just talked about, Daddy, right? Also El Shaddai, God Almighty. Yahweh, he rescues, rescues us from sin. Jehovah Rapha, he heals and restores. You could go on and on. You know, God has many, many names that you could call out. So here's another one. And this one, we really got to break down a little bit. How long should we pray? Now, be careful, because I've got some answers. <laughs> now they're not going to say anything. No, no, no. Go fire it out. Let's go. How long should we pray? Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Very good. Amen. That's a great answer. Yes, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Yeah. Here we go. Now we're moving. Yeah. It can be. Mm-hmm. There you go. Wow, you guys are good. So look at it this way, quality versus quantity. Quality and, you know, I put here, I put here usually relationships, quality increases when an appropriate quantity of time is invested in it. Isn't that great? And, um, yeah. Now, I heard Pastor Gaines talk about, I think he gives Donna a kiss, and then he goes to his quiet time. We're not, Sue and I don't do that. Um, we get up in the morning, and she makes coffee. And then we take the dog for a walk, because if we don't, we have a 75-pound golden doodle. Who will not leave us alone. Who will not leave us alone until we take Jules for a walk. As soon as she knows we're up. So okay. she goes for a two-mile walk with us. We get home, and then it's like, I'm upstairs. She's downstairs. I'll see you in a while. And, uh, and right, it's how long, however long it takes. You know, there are times where God gets a hold of me up there, and I'm going to be up there for a while, you know, and that uh, works out. So how about this? Should I expect a feeling? Okay. Mm -hmm. mm. I like it. Anyone else? Mm. 
Something sometimes it's just obedience by faith. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, they do feel good. He loves them both. You know what I mean? That's what's so neat about it. Things are going well and we praise them and then things aren't going so well and we need to have a real serious talk. <laughs> Tim, I think we're having a little church today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, honestly, I can say that, you know, there's been seasons in my word. life that, you know, I can say that, you know, the Lord and I are in sync, and I can hear his word. I can hear, you know, say, you know, come away with me, my beloved, and I'm all in it. And then there, there was a song a long time ago, Susan, Susan Ashton. I think she was like a one-time person. She had one song, and then we never heard from her again. But she was was something about, I feel like I'm standing at the bottom of the Grand Canyon, looking up, saying, where are you? You know, and I could relate to that as well, you know, where there's just times where the Lord just holds back, you know, and, um, and I'm like, where are you? I feel like I'm standing at the bottom of the Grand Canyon, you know, that type of thing. And I'm calling out to him, but he's not, he's not listening, you know, he's not answering right away. So, and that's times where I've had to persevere, you know, continue to persevere. So I can say that there's been, it's been, it's run both, both sides of the gamut. So how do we end our prayers? Thanksgiving? Yes, that's yeah. really good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's the way I feel when I'm in prayer. Um, you know, I just, I give it over to him. You know, so many of us struggle with all kinds of anxiety and all that stuff. And, and I understand there's some medical issues for anxiety and things like that, but there's also times where you need, you can give it over to the Lord. And, and if you learn how to do that, I mean, a lot of your things go away. And he takes those away. I, t- I told Sue, I had a, in f- for all you that work, um, when, I was, when I was working, it, uh, one thing I looked at, I might have something really serious going on, and it's a big deal. And I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the outcome's going to be. 
but this is what I do. I look at everything else going on. I look at all the other employees that I'm, I'm working with. I look at all the departments that are running, and I go through the whole thing, and they're all running great, and I get this one thing. Now, I could reverse it and say, I got this one thing. You know, the sky's falling, but in like an Eeyore. You know, we're doomed. And instead, I've really learned how to look at all the positive things that are going on within my work life in that one thing, and how am I going to handle that? But I'm not going to let it consume me. And uh, anyway, it's just something I've told Sue that as yeah. we were married. Yeah. You know, she, something would happen, and she'd be struggling with it. And I'd say, you know... Because I'm the one that looks at the one thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'd say to her, well, let, let's look at it. How are we we're doing? And I, I'd put my armor on her and say, how are we doing? We're good. Doomed. Well, right there is a huge deal. We're doing good. Well, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Now yeah. let's go to the next thing. How, how are the kids how doing? How the kids? Good. It's doing good. really yeah. well. The kids are good. Yeah. Well, we got the mother-in-law issue. <laughs> Okay, well, let's work on that now. And, and those things happen, you know? And, um, you know, we all go through it. So let's look, look at some benefits of prayer, all right? Prayer brings us closer to God. And, you know, Brother Steve taught on this this past Sunday. It gives us the right opinion of ourselves during prayer. That's what he had said. In Isaiah 66, 2. Okay, I'm beyond that. I don't know where I put this. Oh, okay. You jumped it. Okay. You good? Yeah. All righty. Okay, here we go. Isaiah 662, it says, uh, But this is the man to whom I will look and have regard. He who is humble and of a broken or wounded spirit and who trembles at my word and reveres my commands. You know, when you pray, God is faithful to listen. And you know what God does when you, when you pray to him? This is what he does. He actually comes down and leans in mm -hmm. when you're praying fun. and listens. And so many of us forget about that. You know, it's, um, he, um, in Psalm 116.2, it says, because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Is that an amen? Man. You know, and, and, and what, an, what a picture of just that lean in. And then Psalm 145.18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. In 1 John 5.15, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that, that, um, that we have asked of him. But as far as praying as a couple and the benefits, that's where we want to hit. Okay? So let's look at that right now. Benefits is praying as a couple. First and foremost. What's that? I think I went too far. I'm sorry. I'll let you catch up. First and foremost, that. important because it gives us it gives us the opportunity to speak to God Himself. Prayer gives your marriage access to what? First, our source of love. Mm -hmm. First John four seven says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is springs from God. The second is He's the author of creation. Isaiah sixty six two. For all these things my hand is made. And so all these things have come into being by, by and for me, 
says the Lord. And then thirdly is the giver of good gifts in Matthew 7, 11. If you then, uh, if you then evil as you are, know how to give good and advantageous gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good and advantageous to you? You know, we look at how we started our life and where God has us now, and this scripture just knocks it out of the park. Mm -hmm. You know, it really does. Yeah. Secondly, prayer strengthens your love with, for each other. So when you pray together, it strengthens your love for each other. Prayer keeps us humbled in front of God and our spouse. Next, prayer removes you from continuing the cycle of hurting each other. When you are humbled in your prayer position, your heart opens to understanding instead of accusing. That's a big one. Prayer unites us. Yeah, I don't think I've ever prayed with Sue and said, all right, God, I'm really mad at her right now. No. You know, what she did was just unbelievable. It just doesn't work that way, okay. right? It causes us to appreciate one another more as we listen uh, to each other in prayer. That's a big one. When you guys pray together and you're listening to each other pray, it doesn't get much better than that mm -hmm. in a married life. Prayer is an invitation to change. And when you're humbled, your heart is open to change and grow. And you have a renewed willingness to work and stay together. Prayer removes selfishness. And then prayer gives you hope and encourages us. When your, heart is a, you know, when your hearts as a couple are united with God, with his good and perfect will, and that's a big deal is to know what God's will is. You know, I've got my idea of what I want to do. Sue has her idea of what she want to do. What does God want us to do? And let me tell you, there's a lot of talk about that for the two of us. I remember when we first were getting ready to retire. Do we buy a place at the beach? Do we rent a place at the beach? Do we buy this? Do we do this? And you know what God said? Be still. Stop. All right? And we didn't do any of it. At the time, we just stood still and waited on him. Those are big things in your life, you know, we, in retirement. But before that, things that we, we were doing and with the kids, there was a lot of prayer involved. But, um, you know, so anyway, prayer gives you uh, hope and encourages us. When you're in, and I'm going to say it again. When your hearts as a couple are in unity with God's good and perfect will, then your prayers will always be answered. Now. It sounds easy, huh? I can just rattle those things off, tell you what prayer's out. But here's the problem. We're at war, all right? And the enemy is seeking to destroy your marriage any way he can. Can I give you an example? Just having you guys pray together during the course of the week or every morning or every afternoon or every evening is usually a chore. It's usually a big deal. You can go play pickleball. We can do a lot of things. We can uh, go to the movies. We can go out places, do things. But you want us to pray? Mm -hmm. And that's a do you want that's me to do this, big deal. Yeah, go ahead. Um, we looked up at uh, surveys online just to see what the what the going percentages are these days, and we found that and this was a survey that was 
people who claim to be Christians, we don't necessarily believe that they're evangelical Christians, but those that believe in Jesus, you know, type of believers. 22 out of all the ones that answered, 22% of the survey respondents indicated that they never pray when asked about the length of their typical prayer. 44% indicated that they pray daily for less than five minutes. 30% pray for over five minutes daily. 32% say grace daily. And 21% meditate daily. And those that answered meditate daily tended to be young adults, probably in their 20s, college students. But among those who claim to pray for a um, particular amount of time, 40% claimed that their typical prayer lasted a moment or two. And little over 5% pray for half an hour or more each day. Little over 5%. That's not very good odds. Not very good odds at all. And here's another shocking statistic we found. And this, this I want you guys to hang on to. While 50% of first marriages end in divorce, and that's, that's not just Christians, that's, that's all that's, marriages. Yeah, that's all marriages, secular um, and believers. 78%, they said, of second marriages end in divorce. But less than 1% of couples who pray together daily end their marriage. Less than 1%. That's 99% um, that will make it. You know, that's pretty good odds. That's just amazing when you think about it. You are absolutely 99% guaranteed that if you will take the time to pray together as a couple, you're going you're to do okay. Not only will you, your marriage survive, but you will, it will thrive. Because we've already looked at the benefits and how that's going to, taking that time to pray, how that's going to knit your hearts together. Um, and towards the Lord. And, we, and the Lord told us in, in Ecclesiastes, the threefold cord isn't easy, easily broken. So, so let, me, let me continue. And, and here it is. It's warfare. That's why we don't pray. The enemy's got a foothold in our marriage. And if he can get a foothold in it, and then he just keeps dividing it and dividing it and dividing it. And uh, so it's warfare. In Ephesians uh, 6, 10 through 18. Yeah, I got You're on that? Okay. Mm-hmm says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So I'm going to stop right there a minute and just use a little football analogy that, uh, that a guy named Steve Farrar, who wrote the book Point Man, brought up one time. He was here at Bellevue. And he said, when you look at a football team and you've got the offense and half this room right here, you're the offense, and we're going to spend the whole week trying to figure out how to beat this team, all right? Unfortunately, this team is going to spend the whole week trying to figure out how to stop us. That's how the enemy works. When you, when you, when you look at the enemy, he's looking at your offense, how you're setting it up, just like Sue said last week about the girl who wrote in the book, My Life Verse. Right? She wanted to live that way. She didn't, but she wanted to. All right? 
And it's just like what he's saying here. Put on the full armor of God so you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, so it's not against me and you, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist on the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having uh, belted your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having strapped on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And boy, do we get them shot at, right? He's shooting at us all the time and our kids. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that's what we need, right? God's word. With every prayer and request, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this and with this in view, be alert with all perseverance in every request for all the saints. I want you guys all to make note that, you know, um, where prayer falls in this battle plan. You know, Paul is now giving us a battle plan. He is telling us we are at war, that the enemy is out to get us. He is going to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, steal our, kill our relation, our relationships, destroy our witness, you know, all of that kind of thing. And yet at the very, I just, I thought it was pretty cool how where prayer falls into this battle plan, it is after we've girded ourselves, after we've put on the armor of God, then we are to pray. Not to pray first and then armor up. No, armor up first and then go to battle in prayer. Isn't that pretty cool? I just thought, you know, I just, the Lord just kind of hit me over the head one day where I thought, you know, he said, look at this, this question. What's that word? I can't. Sequence. Yes. Yes, you guys know it better than I do. Anyway, but look at the sequence. That's what I'm looking at, the sequence. Look at the sequence of this passage and where prayer falls. It's at the end, after we've, you know, put on our armor, which I thought was pretty cool. So I'm going to read you. First of all, I want to show you this book. It's a little commercial. This book is called The Spiritual Man by Watchman Nee. Has anyone read it? Has anyone heard of it? Okay. All right, so I'm reading this book right now. It's probably the most difficult book I've ever read. It's really, really a tough read. Deep. Okay, Tim, Tim read some Watchman Nee, and he knows. Yeah, it's, it's a deep. deep book, and this is four books in one. And I'm getting close. I started on January 1st. And I've got this much left. And it is written all over. Circled, you name it, I've written all over this book. But I want you to, I want you to hear something. It's just, I want to say, it's so intense that he can only read three pages a day. Two to three day pages a day. Because there's so much in those two to three pages that he has to stop and meditate on it. And then what I do is I come downstairs yeah. and I read it. What some of the excerpts to Sue? Yeah, like you've got to hear this. Yeah, exactly what this guy is saying, and mm -hmm. um, he's passed away a long time ago. He's from China, and of course they've changed this into English. But let me just read you. It's just I'm not going to read you a lot. Just a little bit here. Um, it says, "Those who live by feeling 
are even more or less effective in spiritual warfare. Because to battle the enemy in prayer is to truly a self-denying work. What incalculable suffering is involved? Nothing for satisfying oneself can be found here. It is pouring out one's all for the body of Christ in the kingdom of God. And then he says, this is a prayer warfare. But for whom is the believer praying? Not for himself, surely, but for the work of God. So it really put in perspective what I've been doing upstairs by myself, reading and praying, and really getting into it with the Lord. I mean, I think the two of us have, are getting in trouble together. You know, we're, uh, we're really, really praying. But anyway, anyone who wants to um, pick up this book, it's called The Spiritual Man by Watchman Nee. It's not a, uh, a one-month read. I just want to pass that on. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to James 4, 8 through 10. And it tells us four things to do as we prepare to draw near to God. And so I want to give you a quick story about moving here in 99. And Sue and I had moved here in 1999. We moved to company, and we were all excited. We had purchased a house, sold the other one. Everything's going great. We get in the house after the movers got us there, and we started to struggle. Our son was at World of Life Bible Institute up in Scroon Lake, New York. Our daughter was teaching uh, public school in, uh, in New Hampshire. And here we are with no kids, no church home, no friends, nobody. It was just the two of us in the company. And I had to hire all the people. So I was a little stressed, trying to do all of that, plus hiring everyone at the same time. And uh, we brought a few people from New Hampshire, but very few. And um, so anyway, I got a phone call. Within a month or so, I got a phone call from a friend up in New Hampshire saying that they had an opening at a company called Amphenol, and they'd like me to come manage that facility, and um, would I be interested? Well, we were so down that we wanted out. So here we are in a brand new house. And this was, it was just an incredible Incredible offer. offer. They bought out my contract. They were paying me X amount. I mean, it's crazy. Everything in. You were it, crazy to turn it down. And That's it was a very it. close friend that offered it. So yeah. even that was like comfort. Yeah. Everything right? said, screamed, go back to New Hampshire. So we're getting ready to go. Uh, we flew up. She went and saw some friends. I went for the interview, got the job. They sent me a letter in the mail. And I got a let, another little letter in the mail. And it was, does anyone know who Adrian Rogers is in this class? Anybody? Just raise your hand. Because not everybody does, right? Yeah. A long time ago. I got a letter in the mail from Adrian Rogers inviting me to lunch. And so um, I didn't know much about Adrian Rogers. I mean, he was pastor of the church. I've only been here a little while. So I went to lunch, and, um, and I said to him, that's how the lunch went. Tim, you'd appreciate this. I said, well, I'm only going to be here for another three or four weeks, so I just came for the lunch because I just wanted to meet you. <laughs> and he looked at me, and for those of you who know him, he looked at me, and we became good friends. He looked at me and looked right at me, and he said, this is what I want you to do. And you know Dr. Rogers, when With he that speaks, deep voice. He's like E.F. Hutton. Yeah, when everyone he speaks, listens. Everybody listens. 
He said, John, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go home. I want you to get on your hands and knees. And I want you to handle any unconfessed sin in your life. All right, just read God's word, let him speak to you, and then pour out your heart to the Lord. And then I want you to just wait and listen. So I did all of that. In fact, I came home and said, well, Sue, this is what I've got to do. I got some homework from this lunch. And uh, I went in the room, shut the door. The letter came from that company with the, the offer. The next day. The next day, except there was one problem. We weren't home. And so they we kept the letter. We couldn't sign. And they it. sent me, a, they left a note and said, pick up or we'll deliver on Monday. So I had that weekend. And we prayed and we prayed. And uh, people at Bellevue, so many families, came alongside us, invited us out to eat. And to make it real short here, one of the guys, now I'm, I'm shooting baskets in a driveway. This wasn't a spiritual time. I'm shooting baskets, and the guy says to me, this reminds me of the story of Jeremiah. When the remnants of Judah came to Jeremiah and said, hey, where are we to go? Now, they knew where they wanted to go. They wanted to go to Egypt, just like we did. We wanted to go back to Egypt. We Everything were, was good there. I didn't want to eat manna honey. anymore. <laughs> no more manna. I just wanted to go and go back home and, you know, just deal with what I was dealing with, but I just needed to go back home. And so that's how I was feeling. And he said, yeah, but here's what happened. Jeremiah came down after praying and said to all of them, you are to remain in this land, and the king will show favor upon you. And the interesting thing about that was the owner of the company, when I moved here, I had so much going on with her, with, you know, just moving here, trying to, you know, friends and all that stuff and missing everybody, not having our kids, having a new house and trying to get all that done, startup company, trying to get that done. I want to go back to Egypt. I want to, I'll run to Egypt, right? And he said, the king will show favor upon you. So that night, it's Sunday night now, it was Sunday afternoon, we were at his house. We went to church Sunday night. That's when church was a big deal in the evenings. Came back home, went to bed, and this one woke up at four or five in the morning. God woke her I up. I had not heard the story. I never shared it with a typical guy, right? Yeah. I heard the story. He's I not going to share it with, with me. She woke up and she started praying and she opened up God's word. To Jeremiah 42. In what, I just whipped in, it open. I'm just like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to whip it open. Wherever it lands, I'm going to start reading. And Jeremiah 42 was on the left-hand side of my Bible. So I thought, okay, I'm going to start in, you know, reading Jeremiah 42. And I'm, I'm going to continue reading until I know in which way I'm supposed to go. And then finally we got down to verse 10, and it's the same scenario. The, the remnant of Judah had come to Jeremiah asking where they should go. And then finally in verse 10 it says, And if you will still remain in this land, then I will build you up and, pull, and not pull you down. I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I will relent concerning the disaster that I have brought upon you. And I knew right then and there. But then it goes on to say, but if you say no and you're going to go, then the, 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 what you fear will overtake you there. And I thought, oh, and I ran into the bedroom and woke Wakes him Wakes me up. up at 5 in the morning <laughs> with their Bible open and said, read this. <laughs> 
right? Now, can you imagine, I've already gone through this story, all right, just, yeah. and it wasn't that long ago, 10 hours ago, whatever it was, and I open up and I start reading and I said, I just went over this with Dave yesterday. And that's when we knew. And we both broke down and said, we need to stay. We have to stay. He's got us here. So, so just so you hear about Pastor Rogers now, we, <laughs> I go back to him. Well, of, let's just say that day the letter did come. I signed for it, and it's still sitting unopened in John's nightstand. Never opened the we uh, never FedEx opened letter. The letter. Don't know what it really says. Yeah, it'll be in our will, I guess. We'll leave yeah. it to somebody in the family; <laughs> they can enjoy it. But um, anyway, I went back to him and told him the story, and uh, and, and 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 he 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 just kind of chuckled because he pretty much knew what was going to happen, which amazes me. But um, here's what happened after this, a kind of a cool side to the story at the end. We, um, I get to work, and within a week, the owner of the company calls and says, hey, John, I've been really tough on you. I know I have. I know you're trying to do all this. I know it's a, a culture change. You know, these two just came from Vermont, by the way, Tim. These two are from Vermont. They know what it's like just to move here. It's in, in just plant yourself here. It's just different, right? So here we are, we, you know, we, we're, we're here, and uh, the owner calls, and he says, what I'd like to do is um, give you a, 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 it was like a 45% increase, and, uh, and by the way, it wasn't the money. I don't care. He said, I'll give you a 45% increase, and he gave her a company car. And an assistant. And, got, and I got, and really all I help. wanted, <laughs> all I wanted was an admin, and I got an admin, and that all worked out great. So... That happened within a week after this. So I just want to let you all know that, you know, we can come up here and teach on prayer, and we can tell you guys all kinds of things. But when you really get into the thick of it with the Lord, he'll show you stuff that you've never seen before. Mm -hmm. You get on your hands and knees, and you, get, you handle unconfessed sin, and you two pray together and hold hands together and just go before the Lord, you know, you just, it is an amazing deal. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing deal. And to see, and uh, Tim had it up there, the picture of our eight grandkids and our four kids and all living here right down the street. I mean, who would have guessed? Who would have, who would have even come up with something like that? And we never thought they'd move here. So but were, anyway, going back it. to James 4, 8 through 10, um, I'm just going to give you four things on that. Number one is cleanse your hands, which means stop sinning. The second one is purify your heart. The heart is the realm of feelings and attitudes. All right? You know, the, heart, the heart's wicked. You got to be careful. Um, and how do you do that? With a new, renewed spirit and renewed mind. What are you watching? What are you reading? I know what I'm reading, but what are you guys reading? And what are you watching? You know, those kind of things that come into your mind mess you up. And they mess your kids up. I mean, you know... My kids obviously are really good with their kids when it comes to what's on phones. But a 14-year-old kid or a 13-year-old kid opening up their phone and seeing something they shouldn't see, let me tell you, they're marked for life. Mm -hmm. They're not just marked for a few minutes. Okay, you're going on I know, but I, get, but, but I just want to let you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. Renewing your spirit and renewing your mind. It says, be wretched, mourn, and weep. This speaks of taking your sins seriously of understanding that is what our sin that, that nailed Jesus on the cross and that saved us from our sins was the reason he died on the cross. Mm -hmm. 
And then humbling yourselves. This brings us to the heart of the matter. To be right uh, with God uh, demands humility. And we talked about that and how we pray, to be humble with reverence, right? Uh, be right with God demands humility. Approaching God requires consecration. It requires that we be set apart from all that profanes us and set apart from unto the one who makes us holy. Mm-hmm. All right, now I'm going to go back to the spiritual man. One more little verse. Or maybe a paragraph. It says right here, in our service, and listen to this, in our service, is, if our service re- is rendered for love's sake, the Lord will certainly be pleased. But what value is it to him if we undertake endeavors for him without truly possessing a heart for him? We should be aware how possible it is to labor for the Lord and yet not love the Lord. A lot of people doing a lot of things in this church. Mm-hmm. Let us ask God to cast light on the reason for our activity. Why are we doing it? Mm-hmm. Is love for the Lord strong within us? What is the use of calling out Lord, Lord, and working diligently for him without simultaneously the heart has no love for him? May we have a perfect heart towards our dearly beloved Lord. Let me tell you, this book just blows me away. It just really is incredible. So praying together isn't just another activity uh, you should add to your week or another checkbox. And it's difficult. For those of you who don't pray together, you got to start somewhere. And even if it's a quick one, we'll go over there in a minute. It's a posture of doing life with God that makes everything, even your marriage included, all about him. Prayer helps remind you who is in control. Prayer gives you a reason to hope, even when situations look bleak. And boy, we've had a lot of bleak ones in our life. And boy, did he change it. You know, in Psalm 102, 17, it says, he will regard the plea of the destitute and will not despise their prayer. You know, it all starts with obedience. It really does. You don't have to have a Um, a life of, all right, Sue, let's pray. I am so into this right now. No, you know what it starts out like? You're afraid. You're nervous. Am I going to say the right thing? You know, that's where it starts. It starts with obedience, and it turns to joy. If you had to wrap it all up, that's what it's all about. It's obedience first, and then it becomes, man, this is awesome. You know? Something you don't want to live without. Yeah. And keep in mind that prayer may not fix your problems at the moment. You know, let's all understand that. You're not going to pray today. And it happens, but I'm just saying, it's, it's, it, it is a process. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be to immediately cure your struggles, create oneness out of nothing. But you can be assured that every moment spent in prayer is worth it. Your spouse might not even enjoy it. You might be the only one praying. Keep praying. Keep doing it. So tips to get started. And we got to keep going here. You know, Tim had told us that we have to a quarter of, and and, uh, I'm thinking, how do we teach that long? And it's like, I just hope we fit this lesson in. All right? (laughs) So let me give you some tips to get started. Find, and these are important, so write these down. Find a mutually agreeable time and stick to it. 
Right? Make it sacred. You know, because the devil is going to try everything he can to keep you. And you know what happens is then you miss one day, and then you'll miss the next day. And then all of a sudden, it's a week later, and you haven't gotten together. And you know, keep it sacred. It's like nothing is going, we're going to, we can mess up on everything else, but today we are going to pray, whether it's before we go to bed at night or when we get up in the morning or whatever time you guys choose. Mm-hmm. Keep it sacred. Keep that time special just for the two of you. Yeah, and when you look at, you know, all the kids, we need to do this with the kids, we need to do this. Let me tell you, your prayer time is way more important than those kids. Yeah. You get that right, everything else will fall into place. Mm-hmm. They see you praying, wow. And that's all the better, you know? sure. You know, yeah. if you have to pray with the kids running around, you know, and ha- gra- grabbing onto your legs, pray. Who, you know, don't yeah. let it stop Amen. you. The second one is uh, keep the prayer time short, especially at the beginning. Yeah. Things, will, things will happen. All right, but at the beginning, it's almost like popcorn prayers. You know, um, I used to work in a, um, back in New Hampshire, I worked as a teacher in a Christian school, and it was related to the church. The church um, oversaw the school. And so every day, the teachers always gathered together to pray. And, of course, some of the kids got dropped off early, and so they were running around, but we all huddled, and we would pray together. And, uh, and then on Wednesday mornings, we would uh, take a half an hour where the whole staff would gather, and we would do, we had a half an hour, guys, and we, by that we would do a short devotion by the pastor, share prayer requests, and pray. And so um, Pastor Klaus used to say, okay, girls, he'd always single out us girls because he knew we had many words, but um, he'd say, let's, let's not pray around the world, let's just do popcorn prayers, you know, that type of thing. So, but you know, that was the sweetest times was just those popcorn prayers, just that one sentence, one or two sentences, and we could just throw those out there. It was just, I remember that so much. Out of all my years of teaching, that was the most precious times, was those Wednesday mornings. And third is keeping your, your, your turn to pray short prayers, once again. Keeping your prayers short will accomplish a lot of goals. What it normally does, it'll keep your prayers focused on what you really need to pray about. All right? So that's, and this is starting off in prayer. I think we've all been there when someone is praying and all of a sudden your mind wanders off to something. At least my do. I have an ADHD, I think, at times. And uh, so somebody's going long. It's like all of a sudden I'm thinking about my grocery list or something like that, you know? So, you know, to keep it short and simple is very helpful for me. And so, we just kind of throw that. You know, I'll tell you one thing Sue and I do, and, and uh, when we pull in the parking lot of this church, before we even walk in the building, we pray. Yeah. All right? We pray for people for salvation. We pray for our walk. We pray for people that we're going to run into, to speak to, that God will speak through us, and, uh, and that everything would be for the glory of Jesus. That's what we pray. We pull in that parking lot. She immediately reaches over and grabs my hand. All right? And then we, yeah. and we pray. It's super important yeah. for us. Yeah. All right. And then the other one is keeping it personal. One thing that greatly encourages effective prayer together, and listen to this now, it's the acknowledgement of your personal needs in the presence of your mate before God. What's really wrong? What's going on in your life? She needs to know or he needs to know. You bottle that up, and 
you're just going to struggle. It's, it's really going to be a, a tough thing. Also, times, I, I think it's so precious. I, I love to hear my husband pray over me when he knows the things that are concerning me, whatever it can be, you know, um, whether it was a bad memory gram or whatever, you know, and he's just that speaks to my heart. And so I try to do that for my husband. You know, when he was working and things like that, I want to lift him up in his presence, you know, before the Lord. And uh, more so than my needs, I want to be focused on his needs and having him hear me praying, interceding for him, I think is so important because he carries a big weight mm. of the okay. family. So what, well, let me just read this too in, uh, in Luke uh, 18, 9 through 14. Uh, we'll finish up here. The publican humbled himself and confessed his need, and the Pharisee did not. Don't be like the Pharisee, or you may end up praying by yourself. Intimacy in prayer encourages others to be honest too. Don't wait for your spouse to start before you open up. You can start by asking for the most important things in your life. Then watch what happens to your mate when he or she prays. Yeah. You'll sense a real immediate change. As Luke 18, 9 through 14. Yeah. And you know, pray for your marriage, you know. You need to encourage more honest and open prayer. And then in addition, ask God to pray to bring healing and growth to your relationship. Anything going on in your relationship that you need healing, pray for that healing. Don't pray for something else. Go, go for it. Regularly thank him for the mate that you've been given, stressing his or her strong points. By doing so, you're recognizing the value you place on your mate. Mm-hmm. as you offer your praise to God. Mm-hmm. This is how prayer can build your marriage up. Yeah. You know, um, Proverbs, um, I think it's 14.1, says, a wise woman builds up her home, and a foolish one with her own hands tears it down. And this is a perfect time for each, not, o- not only our women, but for the men too, bu- to build up, your hu- build up your spouse, to lift them up. And, and um, I just think that is so encouraging. Rather than tearing, you know, rather than saying, Oh, you know, help, help is whatever, you know, that type of thing. But build him up, looking at his strengths and stuff like that, knowing that maybe he has a big, um, important meeting going on or, or whatever it is, you know, but interceding. And that, that's just a wonderful thing. But one thing, I'm going to add a little commercial here. Now, let, um, let, me, let me just bring something. There was, oh, okay. there was a time where um, the company that I was working for was closing the division I was working in. So mm-hmm. I was losing, I got a phone call at 10 at night 10 at saying, night. John, they're closing your division, you're losing <laughs> your job. So you would think that I would be up Ooh, staring at, at the night. ceiling. Let's go to bed. Right? You know, and, uh, but this one right here put her arm around me and we started to pray. I had the I, we, best night's I, sleep I ever. Said, yeah, I said, that's just one piece of the puzzle. We're just going to ask God for the rest of that puzzle. Yeah the rest of the puzzle pieces. We got on our knees and we When played. you're married, you need that because yeah. I'm not thinking that, guys. I'm thinking I need to support my family and they're closing this place down. Yeah. Right? That's all I can think of. Yeah. And she turned around and changed that whole thing into a prayer. And we and we got the best night's sleep. We, we, <laughs> we slept. We, I mean, we got on our knees and we prayed and we just said, Lord, we just know this is just one piece of the puzzle and you've okay. got the rest of the picture. you got to finish but, this real quick. Okay. This is my commercial. Um, this book... 
It's called For the Family. It's put out by Sylvia Gunther, and it's in the bookstore. Um, if I could, if I didn't, we, if we weren't retired, <laughs> I'd probably buy one for all of you. It's, it's $6, at least this one. It might have gone up. I don't know. Maybe Tim anyway. will give you all one. But anyway, it is a great starter for, um, you know, um, to start. If you guys just want something to, you know, kind of springboard off of. But it has prayer for the wife. It has prayer for your husband. It has a prayer for your children. It has, um, and there's a couple of them that I've copied off because she had them. Right here. She had them on her website, so I figured if they were on her website, then I, we could pull them off of there. Um, two of my favorites. One is the evening prayer for the home, and that's for couples to pray for their um, families. And then another one, I forget, what, what was the other one that I gave you? Oh, Victory in Jesus. Oh, that's a, such a good one um, to pray. So those were two of my favorites out of here. And uh, But I would highly recommend this. This is probably like my third copy. I have worn this thing out and taped it so many times. And I finally, I lost the last one, so I had to buy a new one. But anyway, I would highly recommend that just to kind of get you started. Um, on praying together. But don't feel like you have to use this. It, just use it as a, like a springboard. Don't feel like you have to do it word for word, but it's like if you don't really have anything you, you know uh, spe special to pray that night, you can just pull this book out and start using that. So anyway, I think that's it. Come on up, Tim. Oh, you want to close this in prayer? Let me just show you our, our posture in prayer. This is the way we pray when we're getting ready to have dinner or whatever. And the Lord kind of gave us this a long time ago. John puts his arm over my shoulder, and this I look at as protection. And also guidance. He is my protector. He's going to protect me. Uh, this arm, he's going to guide me. My arms are to help me, and my arms come alongside him and hold him up. I am girding up his wings. And so this is how we pray all in time together. I know brother, Even before dinner, this is we're, we're preparing our meal on the uh, island as we're getting ready, and then we stop. If Brother and, Steve, you can check on us in the sanctuary. If Brother Steve ever, ever has a prayer standing up, this is the way we'll be postured. That's good. Father, we're just so grateful for Mr. Today. And, uh, Father, I just pray for each man in here. And I just pray that you would uh, bless us, first of all. But Father, I pray that each one here today would have a prayer right now. That we wouldn't be in that one percent or twenty two percent or whatever those numbers are. That we'd be all in at a hundred percent. That it wouldn't just be for today. One doesn't feel like praying, the other one asks to pray. And the two shall be. Father, help us to be obedient. Father, I just pray for us to be obedient. We just pray for all of you, Lord. Lift up each couple here, Lord. Bless them, protect them, keep them.
quickly just show you a couple things. First, I, I can't imagine a better way to team up than to do prayer. So I'm so grateful for you all sharing with us and being open transparent. I want to share this with you. Also, we began this series in Philippine Hall uh, based off a survey that we've done with, with you here in Bellevue, just asking this question to the screen right now. Based off that, you answered that with several topics to talk through. So what we're going to do is, um, John and Sue will be with us next week talking about finances. And I want to encourage you to stay with us. Uh, all the midweek classes run through November the 15th. On the screen, you'll see the topics we're going to hit each night uh, after John and Sue finish next week. So don't finish next week. Go ahead to the beach. We're invited. But if those who can't go, be here with me. I'll help facilitate October and the first three weeks of November. So that's where we're headed. Just make sure you do that. And um, you've been you've already been prayed over, so thank you for being here. You guys just missed. Have a great weekend. Thank you. So the next week is um, financial week. Next week is John Sue going to speak on finances right here. Next week, oh, okay. next week awesome. will be right here on the That's right.